this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Goodman, the Hot Nerd, bringing you another episode of the Hot Nerd Podcast. How are you doing? I hope that you are doing absolutely amazing wherever you find yourself in this big, wild, crazy, and wacky world. Things are going amazing here. I'm coming to you from the sunny and the beautiful Buckeye, Buckeye, Arizona. You can go look that one up. Like I shared with you during our last episode that we were coming out of the studio because we'd moved about an hour away. So I'm coming to you from about an hour away from where we have normally broadcasted to you from. Um, thank you for joining us today. Before we get into two, 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 there we go. Before we get into today's podcast, do me a favor, head over to the website, www.thehopner.com. Follow along on all things social media at the hop nerd except for twitter because it is super duper special it is the hop nerd one you can find us at the hop nerd over on youtube i'm trying to put out some videos as i feel like it you know you know my feels around that one and 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 go follow along with me on linkedin it's just sam goodman or you can find the hop nerd there it pretty much anywhere where you find people eat things people doing people social media e things you can pretty much find us in kind of active here and there so if you want to go follow along it's a good way to keep up with everything that we've got going on so in today's episode i wanted to talk a little bit about something that's uh, i don't know maybe a little different than where we've kind of ventured before but as i've been writing you know that i'm constantly writing stuff and constantly exploring um, I find myself at this point of of really questioning some of the moral compass of our approaches to occupational safety and health, kind of overall. And let me let me explain that just a little bit. Um, and let me let me start by sharing with you a story. So as a kid, I grew up kind of out in the country. And if you're anything like me, kind of growing out growing up out in the country, I grew up kind of against the backdrop of rural Appalachia. Um, in the mountains, in Virginia, kind of really rural Virginia. Uh, and if you you grew up anything like me, you spent a bunch of time outside doing outside kids stuff, right? And I remember it being a general expectation um, from my mom, especially during the summer months, like when when all the the hellion kids are out of school, that like you would get out of bed and you kind of like wander into the kitchen. She would like feed you a little bit of breakfast, and then she'd be like, "Now get the hell out of my house and." Don't come back until it's dark. Now, you know, I'm sure my, my, my mother's like the sweetest lady alive. I'm nearly certain that she she probably said it a lot nicer than how I just implied. Uh, but that was kind of what we did. We got the heck out of the house and we stayed gone. And, and we, we would, you know, again, rural, safe, just great place to grow up. But we would like wander down to the creek and swim and we would catch like crawdads and sometimes snakes. <laughs> and we would we would go do all the kind of other kind of general kid stuff that at least we enjoyed. We would do stuff like play army and, you know, eat dirt and throw rocks at each other and you know, all of that kind of crazy wild stuff. But one thing that we really enjoyed is we liked building stuff. And in particular, like tree forts and forts and these kind of like structures uh, that we just had a blast in, right? It was like our little castles that we would build. Uh, and we were fortunate enough that it seemed like all of the neighbors, like this little gang of like neighborhood kids that I grew up with, and then a good chunk of like my cousins that grew up near me as well. Um, there was always like tools laying around, you know, because everyone was kind of doing, you know, projects at their homes and building stuff, you know. 
and my my father, you know, he had he had just retired around that time as well. So he it threw his boredom, you know, and just not wanting to be retired probably, <laughs> just the inability to sit still started building wood furniture and started remodeling the house constantly. So he basically had an entire wood shop at the house as well. So we would sneak in and steal hammers and nails and tools and scrap wood, and we would venture off into the woods to build stuff. And and this one particular time, we ventured off into the woods, and, and we found this perfect tree and, and just prime, prime real estate for a tree fort because uh, it was nicely camouflaged by the woods. You wouldn't really be able to see it from kind of kind of the little pathway. And it was kind of right in the middle of all of our houses. So it was about an equal distance. So again, like primo, primo tree fort real estate. One problem, though, it was this kind of like rubbery willow tree that just didn't have much structure to it at all. So we started building and then quickly quickly realized that that was going to be a problem as that the structure that we were kind of attaching to it, the tree starts to like creak and moan and act like it's going to tear out of the ground. So we kind of had that light bulb moment where it's like, aha, I remember Someone had just built a, a deck around their house, and there were some kind of those decking posts left. Why don't we do something similar? We could put dig some holes and put some posts, you know, kind of in like a triangular fashion around this around this willow tree. Use it kind of as the middle, but these three structures, these three posts, would give it a lot of support. And that's exactly what we did. You know, we dug the holes as deep as we could. We set these posts and kind of packed dirt in them and kind of rocks around them. And then we started stringing it all together with some two-by-fours and nails and started building this kind of structure, this kind of like hodgepodge of just like random pieces of scrap plywood and whatever else we could find. And there may or may not have been like some some road signs that we acquired to to build this decking, you know. And then, you know, as soon as we kind of get the decking done, we start we kind of give it a nice shake and a kick. And, you know, one kid crawls on top and gives it a good kind of like little little kind of almost a delicate jump to go, okay, yeah, I think it's okay. So we're at that point. And we're going, okay, we, we think we figured this thing out. But what we really need to do now, what we really need to do is we need to make sure that it's super strong. So to make sure that it's super strong, what we decided at that point was that to make something super strong, what you need is a bunch of freaking nails. We need to make sure that this thing is secured as secure can be. So we just go to town. You know, we had we had borrowed, I won't say steel, but we had borrowed this old metal Folgers coffee can full of mixed nails and screws and any kind of kind of loose fasteners that we could find. That's that's the the best, right? The the old metal the old metal Folgers can. That's like the best garage storage storage device that's ever been created. Um, we go we go to town and we practically hammer in all of these nails and we're just so proud. We are so pumped. We just know, we just know for a fact at this point that things are going to be awesome, right? That this is going to be perfect. We've just got this awesome platform built. Now that it's super duper strong, we know that we can climb on top of it and we can just build our way into the heavens. And so kid by kid, hellion by little hellion, right? We, we climb up on top of this structure and just as the last kid kind of gets up there and kind of stands up victoriously, the entire structure just goes and like crumbles to the ground, right? So, and I get it. Look, the, the collapsing of a barely three foot child built structure doesn't seem like that much of a catastrophe in the real world, you know, but to us in that particular moment, it was just absolutely devastating. It was just soul crushing. And we kind of laid there in that kind of dust and rubble for a few minutes. I'm sure crying, uh, you know, about our now bruised little, little egos, <laughs> And really thinking, like, how in the heck did that just happen? 
we just put in all that effort. We set the post and we drove in all these extra nails and, and we just did all this stuff. How could this be? There's absolutely no way. It's just impossible that this could have happened. We did our due diligence. We, we put in as many nails as we could. And after digging through, you know, eventually somebody screams out the nails, right? Like the nails. And all of our little gaggle of kids kind of run over and kind of circles around. We're looking down. And lo and behold, there was, we're staring at these two-by-fours that are just gnarly split open two-by-fours, these ripped apart two-by-fours. So they had split. Each had kind of torn, and the tears were growing out of all those nail holes that we had put in the boards. And to double-check this theory, we kind of ran over to the posts that were still standing upright. Everything just kind of collapsed around. <laughs> you know, the platform just kind of fell down. And there's these big gnarly clusters of nails still in place right there. They had torn out of the two-by-fours. The two-by-fours had split and basically crumbled under all of our extra helpful nails that we had put in there, right? So in our efforts to create strength, we had really created frailty. We had this logic, this logic that operated on the belief that the application of more nails would increase stability, but it only left the boards weak and just riddled with holes. So, you know, in this particular thing where one or two nails might have resulted in the effect that we were looking for, our five, six, 15, 20 nails that, <laughs> that we threw in there, you know, it, it really just rendered the entire lot of nails ineffective. You know, in our little heads, we, were, we, we sought out safety and certainty and reliability through the application of more. It, really the only thing that more gave us was harm and destruction. So nail by nail, all while trying to make things better, all while doing it with the best of intentions, we made things far, far worse. And it leads us to kind of this, this, this question or these questions, like when, the questions that we've asked, you know, what's your hammer? What's your nail, right? We, we've all heard kind of those, that, those phraseology around that stuff. But we never ask this extra question that I think is really, really important to us. Uh, and it's this, is the nail you're about to drive even necessary? So for a really long time, we've operated under this assumption, especially as it relates to occupational safety and health. And we've done it for an extremely long amount of time. This assumption that loosely states to increase safety, we need to do more safety things. Or we get better at safety by doing more safety. And for so long, we've obsessed about what's our hammer? What's our nail? so neurotically that we rarely, if ever, pause to ask ourselves, is this nail even necessary? When we take that logic even farther, demanding more and more hammers, more and more nails, new and shinier hammers, the ones with like the fancy composite or rubberized grips, right? We, we want flashy new hammers that have cool colors and, you know, all that kind of cool stuff. And all of that accompanies our ever-growing and bloating selection of useless and unneeded nails. So with, with that being said, we most certainly never allow our minds to wander towards the thought, could the application of more nails actually create harm? We believe that all doing, just general, I'm just saying generic doing, all doing, especially when done in the name of safety, is generally good. And that not doing can never be an option. We generally believe 
genuinely believe that doing more safety stuff, more doing in the name of safety, will eventually yield us the safety performance that we desire. That if we just do more and more and more and more and more, and we consistently do more and more and more and more, we consistently apply more and more and more and more nails into our tree fort, that we're going to create safety and strength and stability. But just as that seemingly endless number of nails we poured into our tree fort more often than not, it just weakens that which is profoundly important. It only degrades that stuff that actually matters. So if not more, then what, right? If, if more is not the answer, if more isn't the solution, if more causes unintended harm and does not give us the, it doesn't give us the desired outcomes that we'd hope to achieve from our efforts, then what? What can we do if simply doing more is no longer on the table. And, and to give you the simplest answer to that is you, you can do less. Um, mind blown, right? Insanity. We can do less. Safety stuff, never. Blasphemy, not allowed. Right? You have to have a constant pursuit of doing more and more and more and more and more in safety. And I, I, can, I can almost hear people shouting as I say that, just, we can do less safety stuff. But, but hear me out on this. And it's not nearly as insane as it might sound at face value. Doing less, but with a focus on doing it extremely well. Mm-hmm. It sounded a little less insane. Doing less of the meaningless, less of the freaking useless, less of the things that create headache and harm, and less of the things that just don't matter very much. We can do less of the meaningless in exchange for a greater focus on the meaningful, on the stuff that actually matters, on the shit that actually matters. Doing less of the unimportant and destructive so we can focus on doing the things that matter and doing them extremely well. That's tough for us. That's hard for us because it's 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 almost in this line of kind of giving up a little bit of control. And this is this is where I'm kind of circling back to a little bit of the moral compass around safety in general. Because I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something that's going to probably stir up uh, some a hornet's nest and probably going to stir up or, or, or rile some feathers, ruffle some feathers. There we go. Ruffle some feathers. That's, that's the right way to say that, right? Ruffle some feathers. But I'm going to say this and as it relates to control and kind of moral compass around safety. If we honestly believe that people are not a problem to be managed, then why in the hell do we insist on controlling them at every turn? If we openly state that we view people as problem solvers but then we turn around and treat them as problem creators seeking to exercise this freaking Orwellian company control over every aspect of their work world, doing it from a place of love, doing it from a place of all this stuff, hammering more and more and more and more nails, right? Driving more and more and more and more and more nails to strengthen their structures. I get it. Place of love, place of care, control from a place of care. But if we're consistently seeking control, total and utter control over those folks, trying to control their every move at every turn. And we're saying those things, that people aren't the problem, they're the solution. We're lying. We're lying. You're lying. Period. You're lying. You know, we believe, uh, or I believe, that we seek control because we genuinely care and we want to protect those souls in our charge so much, so much that we often create more harm than good. Back to our conversation about driving so many nails that we actually destroy things. We create more harm than good. 
right? Are, are we creating more harm than good or more good than harm? And I think that's a, a, a valid question that we need to ask at every area that we seek to uh, assert our influence, that we seek to control, that we seek to create structure or process around. We need to ask those questions. And, and I'll leave you with this. And I'll leave you with this. And I, I don't understand why, but this individual is a bit of a polarizing character, I guess, in the world today. Um, but one of my favorite quotes uh, that I've just generally heard ever uh, comes from a gentleman that you have probably heard of by the name of Dr. Jordan Peterson. Again, polarizing. Again, don't know why. But I think it lends well to our conversation. And it's this. It is far better to render beings in your care competent than it is to protect them. And this really hits at the core of what I'm seeking to relay to you, especially around this notion of, of doing less, and this idea of not just not honing in on this idea that, uh, or excuse me, avoiding this idea that we actually create better by, by just seeking more. It's, it's this. The fact is, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you might fool yourself into believing that you can, you will never, ever, ever, ever be able to fully protect your employees from the danger and the chaos that lurks around every corner of their work. But you can do something with more meaning. You can seek to render them competent. You can seek to set them up in a situation in which they have the ability to deal with the danger and chaos, that they can adapt, that when they're put in that decision-making position of going, which is the magic rock that I pick, you can help. You can help render them competent to make that decision. So to wrap all of this kind of chaotic ball up <laughs> into something is that seeking to do more in the name of safety, just for the simple fact of the belief that we think that doing more will somehow make safety better, often makes safety far, far, far worse. Taking that farther into our element of kind of control and influence and all of those things, if we feel that we have to control our workforces at every corner, if we have feel that we need to extract all bits of autonomy from their work, if we think that we need rigid structure around every single thing that they do on a daily basis, and we're saying that, or we're doing that, but out of the other side of our mouth, we're saying, but people aren't the problem to control, but we're controlling them as if they were a problem, then we're lying, right? And to kind of throw that cherry back on top of all that stuff, that rather than seeking to do more and more and more safety stuff to people, rather than seeking to control them at every single turn, isn't it a much better option knowing that you will never be able to be at every turn, knowing that you will never be able to protect them from all the monsters that lurk in your work worlds, isn't it a far better option, rather than pursuing an endless hammering of nails, rather than pursuing an endless approach of control, to try to render those folks more competent, rather than trying to protect them and bubble wrap them and force them? Render people competent. I'll leave that with you one last time. It's far better to render beings in your care competent than it is to protect them. That's all I've got. Sam Goodman, the hot nerd, signing off. Until next time. <gasps> bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>